Fixate on Code, Episode 1. All right, Larry Boiter here, and you're listening to Fixate on Code, the weekly bite-sized podcast where I talk to the best devs about their favorite strategies for writing great code. Now, let's chat with today's featured guest, Garth Braithwaite. Garth, are you ready to get this thing started? Very ready. Garth is a designer and developer with a passion for all things open source. He is a front-end developer on Adobe's PhoneGap team and has appeared as a speaker on conference stages across the world. When he's not busy at Adobe, he spends his time discussing the power of design and how to improve designer-developer collaboration. Garth, can you fill in some of the gaps in that intro and tell me a little bit about what you get up to when you're not writing code? Uh, yeah, I spend most of my time writing code when I'm not writing code. Um, so there's always a, a side project, a passion project that's uh, in play. Um, either something that I'm messing around with my wife uh, as far as uh, personal projects or uh, with friends that I, I, I want to have excuses to spend time collaborating with. Uh, I used to used to do the the whole... Uh, client thing, and it turns out I'm, I'm terrible with clients. I, I'm really bad with contract work, so I fired all of them and just spend all my time working on stuff I want to mess around with. So, Goth, what are you most passionate about as a developer? Uh, right now, it's uh, we're, I'm, I'm mainly focused on design systems, um, which is pretty normal for a lot of uh, people at different uh, corporations trying to get a uniform design system working and make it usable for developers. Uh, and Adobe's a pretty large organization, um, and it's 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 a little tricky getting a design system and everybody on board and making it accessible. So that's what I'm spending a lot of the time, and it it, it actually plays into the PhoneGap platform as well because we want to make it open source so developers uh, can get up and running on the PhoneGap platform um, with a set of components and things like that. So so where you're working now is not specifically PhoneGap, but it just happens to benefit the platform? Yes. Yeah, I did a lot of work, uh, front-end work for um, their actual websites, uh, getting documentation, the redesign, and all that stuff. Uh, and just a natural progression, I spent some time working on Topcoat, which is an open-source CSS framework. Um, and so we're just trying to see what we can do to apply those sort of principles to make it easier. For a long time, PhoneGap was just about, here's a platform, here's a, um, a way to make web applications into native applications. You can do whatever you want with it. And we never prescribed frameworks or anything like that. And now we're trying to make it a little bit easier. Not necessarily that we're picking favorites, but we're trying to, to make more documentation and, and uh, resources around how to get going with some pretty popular things like React or... Vue.js or Angular, and we're, we're doing our best to make it a little bit easier for people getting up and going. So CSS is a big part of that because uh, nobody likes writing CSS. So <laughs> if we can make that a little bit easier, uh, throw in some performance CSS, I think uh, it, it gets people up to speed quicker and, and uh, kind of lowers that learning curve a little bit. All right. So you've been, you've been doing this for quite a while now. Can you tell me about the worst experience you've ever had on a project, Goth? Oh, uh, it was mainly client work. Uh, <laughs> there, there are times when you get into client projects or you're working with people that don't really understand the limitations of technology or the requirements. And so you start going down the road. Um, this one was for, was a friend of a friend. Um, and halfway through, we realized that the big bottleneck to their project that we were trying to solve with technology was there was a single guy that approved or 
rejected certain transactions, and there was no way to replace him with tech because there was no rhyme or reason to the way that he did stuff um, <laughs> in a uniform manner. So we got halfway through this project and realized we would just be creating a fancy way to do the exact same thing, and it wouldn't it wouldn't uh, really streamline anything for them. Uh, and we just kind of abandoned the project at that point. Um, yeah, and it was just a shame because. It's one of those things, and I, I mean, I was I was a slightly younger developer where you just you just get excited about helping people solve their problems, and then halfway through, you're like, "This is garbage, and this isn't fun <laughs> at all." Um, like you you don't understand your own problem, and you and I didn't do a good job of researching before I jumped into coding stuff, and yeah, it, it's a pretty pretty common thing. So, having come out on the on the other side of that, how do you think that situation could have been prevented? Uh, yeah, research. All, all it takes is spending some time talking through user stories. I, that was the point where I was uh, mainly focused on application development. And I hadn't spent enough time doing um, UX at that point. And so I was a sole contractor. Um, and so, yeah, we were we were just going gung-ho on the actual coding without setting up requirements and without... Uh, figuring out the problems we were solving. Um, oh, geez. So, so you guys are working without a scope? Yeah, no scope at all. So, yeah, it, it's it, it's a super rookie mistake. And you think that it you don't have those sort of mistakes when you're working with friends or people you like, um, but those kind of leave gaping holes in your judgment sometimes, uh, which we fell right into. So, yeah. It, it, basic stuff. Everyone should be doing some sort of user research, even if it's just a matter of talking with the shareholder a little bit more to figure out the scope. <laughs> All right. Well, on a daily basis, is there a method or tool or service that you're using that you just hate to be without? That's tough because I don't do a great job of sticking to one thing very long. Um, I'm, I've got a slight bit of chaos that I kind of have to have. I apparently as part of my process. So, uh, I, I do, I try doing things like, um, I started out with, uh, getting things done type of methodology. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's some aspects of that I still subscribe to. Um, I spend a lot of time focusing on open source with whatever I'm doing. Um, so GitHub issues is kind of my home for figuring out what's next. And sometimes even that means I'm writing GitHub issues for a project nobody else is working on. Um, and I'm making pull requests to myself just because <laughs> it, it feels right. Diligence. Um, <laughs> it, it, it just feels wrong to commit to master directly. So, yeah. uh, yeah, you get, you get into these certain, uh, workflows, um, that worked well on a good project. And even if it's not necessarily the right way all the time, it feels comfortable, I guess. So, yeah, I, I spend a lot of time, um, with open source stuff. And as far as like tool sets and all those other things, uh, I don't like staying on one too long. Um, I liked gulp. I liked grunt. I liked, uh, I did not like Webpack necessarily. <laughs> it was, it was, it was fine. Um, uh, but it didn't solve the problem that I wanted to solve. Uh, it creates a whole bunch of new problems for you as well. Yeah. So I, I end up right now doing mostly, uh, NPM as build script, and using uh, Browserify for front-end stuff. But I, I'm, I'm a big believer in trying out different stuff all the time, and that kind of goes back to my open-source stuff as well. Like, um, if I'm doing something at work that I don't have control of what the tool set is, I'm oftentimes doing a, 
a side project with somebody else and using excuse um, just to try out new frameworks and new tool sets just because I can, not necessarily because it's the best fit for the the project even. So, yeah, I, I use those as my, my learning tools because um, I can't learn without a project. Yes, and I think for me, I get stuck in the details and all the reading and the theory and it's just a matter of getting my head out of the books and actually just building stuff. Now, Garth, in your daily work, where where do you still meet frustration? Where do you think there's room that things can be done in a more effective way? Yeah, everything's frustrating. <laughs> uh, um, I, I feel like um, this is particular with the the JS community, whether it be Node or or, or Frontend. We have such a, a, a variety of projects that when you're ready to start and using some tools, they have a lot of assumptions built into the tool um, and the resources that they provided. So if you're like, hey, you know what, I want to try using Vue.js. This is what I'm currently fighting with. Mm -hmm. I want to use Vue.js, the new 2.0, and I want to use the new um, Vnode syntax that they have. And I also want to use Redux as a big part of that. And like trying to find that tutorial or that example application, you're not likely to find exactly the sort of thing you're looking for. Um, so yeah, I needed also something with async and I also needed, um, I, like I said, I didn't want Webpack necessarily. So trying to find like all of these things, it, it becomes very frustrating to find precisely what you're looking for. So what you end up doing or what I end up doing is taking a bunch of hodgepodge um, pieces from different tutorials and slamming them together and then running it and being surprised when it doesn't work uh, <laughs> and trying all over again. So yeah, I, I feel like we, in 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 the community, we're spending a lot of time making assumptions or picking our favorite things um, and not providing necessarily a lot of detail as to why our decisions were made that way. So when someone's coming along and they don't understand a line of code, they just go with it because they don't necessarily understand what the decision was and if they should change it. Um, yeah, but documentation and, and stuff, it's a normal problem in open source in general. We want to spend time writing code and writing projects that people will use. We don't want to do all the other stuff. <laughs> and it's so easy to find yourself down that rabbit hole when trying out new libraries for the first time. Vue.js 2 is just a few months old now, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's fairly recent. I didn't spend a lot of time with uh, the previous version. We had some requirements come through work um, that uh, we were using React and now we're moving off of React uh, because of licensing stuff that Facebook did. Uh, we spent some time with Preact as well. Um, so we're just doing some investigation. And again, PhoneGap doesn't prescribe a specific framework at all. So we get to play around with a lot of stuff um, when we're building our actual applications. Uh, so yeah, right now we're, we're, we're messing around with Vue.js and Framework 7 a little bit for some of the CSS and transitions. Um, but those are mostly just things that we're, we're just doing some investigation and some sample applications for. Is there anything, anything that you found that you're particularly excited about at the moment? Uh, no, <laughs> like, so it, it all it all goes together, right? Like if you spend some time when going from JavaScript, like you, if you're spending time doing jQuery and other sorts of just spaghetti code, um, and then you move on to doing some serious application work, um, you'll find a framework like React um, or Angular, and you get super excited because you're like, this makes so much more sense, um, and there should be no other way. Like this is my favorite framework ever. I don't need to learn any other. 
Um, and then you, for some reason or another, you start to are required to look at some other ones. And you're like, hey, these all solve a lot of the same problems. Um, and that's, it's fine. Like, um, I, I don't think there's any wasted learning. Like if you're spending a lot of time with Angular and then suddenly you're required to move to React, it's not like you're throwing out all that knowledge you learned uh, on the previous framework. Um, learning is learning. So you get a lot of people who will ask, hey, what should I learn? Or should I learn X, Y, or Z framework? And the answer is yes, you should totally learn it. Um, I'm not sure on what order you need to be learning them in. I don't know which one's going to get you the most amount of money or the highest paying job quicker. Like those, those are other aspects to it. But whether you should learn it or not, definitely. Yes, and, and there's a lot of excitement around learning and adopting these new libraries. But it's also easy to forget that learning the language itself will lend to faster adoption of any of those libraries anyways. So Garth, with all of the new languages and libraries that are coming out, how do you decide what to learn and when do you make time to learn? It, it really comes down to, to side projects. It's the only way I've ever been able to do it. I, I, I always have something, usually what it stems from is frustration at the day job with something I don't have control over. And it doesn't have much to do with the technology. It usually has to do with the bureaucracy or just just the complications of working with other people, right? Like, uh, it, it's tough. And so you, I always spend time in my free time, whatever that is, uh, doing stuff that I have complete control over, creative control and, and control over the tech stack. Um, and oftentimes these projects don't see the light of day. I don't ever... Um, build the project with the intention of someday I'll make millions of dollars with this because uh, it, it ruins it for me. And some people can do that and that's fine. Um, but I, it's kind of, it's kind of like art. Like I, I like to draw for drawing sake, not because I'm looking to get approval or, or sell it. That's nice. It would be great if I could somehow make money off of my side projects. But uh, I think focusing too much energy on that would ruin it for me. So yeah, I, I spend a lot of time doing open source stuff and, like just having an excuse to learn new stuff because we're kind of in the JavaScript community, we're kind of jerks to new people um, on top of all of these new frameworks and everything that we expect people to know and have very little patience for those who aren't learning it quickly. We throw stuff like uh, ECMAScript 6 on top of it. And some people are actually doing ECMAScript 7, uh, ES 2015 and 16. And, and we just throw these terms around or you've got to transpile. Like I, I was trying to get somebody who was new to React up and running with, uh, with Babel and um, Browserify and Watchify. Like it took us a good hour and I was explaining everything in detail and like it's it's just it's just mean. Um, and you look at a tutorial and you don't see half of this stuff. You just see the code. And, and there's the assumption that you have a huge foundation of tools that you understand and and know how to implement. And yeah. you haven't even written a line of JavaScript yet. It's it's super intimidating. And and we've crept up to this level of complication, right? Like it didn't happen overnight for everyone. So everyone kind of did a little line upon line until they were. Uh, a pretty complex situation. And then you see somebody new and we expected that they, we just assumed they went through a similar process as we did. Um, but half the tech that I started learning on doesn't exist or it's not popular anymore. Mm. Nobody should be learning it because uh, it's a waste of their time. So no one's ever going to learn anything the way that I had to learn it, um, which means we start out with false assumptions when we try to provide material for other people. Uh, we assume that they have the same learning base that we had. Yeah, so all this stuff, like I... I just have to use, I have to have side projects to make myself try out something new um, that 
might not even be good tech um, for anything I'll ever do in the future. I've been wanting now to play with Go lately. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have any good reason for it. I don't do server-side stuff in general. I make some command line tools once in a while, but that's about it. Um, and I, I, yeah, and I want to spend time with Swift. And again, I don't make applications, but these <laughs> are just things that I... I feel like it'll help me overall. I feel more holistic. I feel better when I'm learning new stuff. Um, but yeah, I recognize for new people in the community, whatever tech you are in, it's it's hard and it's mean. Um, and we expect a lot of people, but that's kind of where we're at. I don't know if there's a way around that. And then there's keeping up with the new specs, build tools and frameworks. And yeah, JavaScript's barrier to entry is is definitely not where it used to be. And it's probably something we need to be a bit more sensitive about with newcomers. I mean, it's crazy how fast it's evolving and who knows what. It's ES 2017 next year and what after that? It's going to be ES 2037? Someone someone was saying that it's it's TypeScript and I was trying to look and see if there was any definite spec on it and I don't know where they were pulling that out of. So I was like, that that seems like quite a bit of a jump. But like the transpiling, what's interesting is all the things, I used to do CoffeeScript because I liked it. I never did it with a team because it's so hard to sell um, a lot of people on. And a lot of the arguments is, are around, well, you don't need another build step. You don't need um, complicating the code and all these things, right? And then all of a sudden everyone's like, but but ECMAScript 6 is great. Um, and you're running into the same problem. I'd say they're even more complicated than CoffeeScript. CoffeeScript is pretty straightforward. No plugins or presets or anything. You just you just have your your transpiler and you're good. Um, so yeah, it, 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 uh, it feels a bit hypocritical because we think that someday there's a vague promise that these things will be uh, standard and we won't have to transpile at that point. But we'll be busy working on the next version anyway and we'll be <laughs> transpiling again. I feel like we're stuck in a bad loop right now. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. So Garth, which specific aspect about programming has dramatically changed the way that you think about and write code? Mm, uh, I wish I wish I had done unit testing from an earlier point. Uh, I started out. Um, I moved from PHP to Cake PHP at one point, um, which was a, a it's a Rails. It started out as a Rails port um, from Ruby to, to PHP. Um, and that's just where my learning was. At, at, this is, uh, we got to be over a decade now almost uh, <laughs> of time. Um, and they were doing unit tests. They were doing tests as part of their suite. Um, and they were trying to encourage community members to do it as part of their application development, but it wasn't really heavy in there. I think Ruby, did a, Ruby on Rails did a much better job. Um, but it's one of those things that, uh, people are like, ah, oh, we don't want to teach um, testing because the learning curve on that is too steep. Um, and so it doesn't become a part of the culture very quickly. People are busy wanting to see the benefit of the code they're writing um, and, and see it working in the browser, or see it working around the server. Um, but, I mean, a, a solid set of tests changes who you are as a developer mm-hmm. and the way you approach problems. Uh, it, it it changes everything. And I'm not even the best test writer. I'm pretty terrible. Um Going back and looking at through some of my old tests as I'm as I'm writing um, updating a command line tool right now, my tests were really they're they're really bad. They they're not very uh, modular. They're not very um, uh, specific. They're not very focused. They're just kind of like this giant uh, result object should match this giant <laughs> result object, and there's so many holes in that. Um, but still, like a, a, a set of tests changes uh the way you approach a problem 
Um, so that, that's who I try to be now as much as possible. Uh, and I see, I don't, I don't know how to encourage those who are learning how to do that better because the resources aren't readily available, not easily available. Yeah. Uh, and it is another layer of complexity on top of it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's so nice. It's so nice if it becomes a part of your habit. And I think that's exactly what it is. It is a habit. And a lot of people are intimidated by it and, and the resources can be scary, but just a simple addition to your workflow can completely transform the way you work and, and it makes you more confident and, and you know exactly what you're doing. But, but what does that come down to? Does it come down to more tooling? Yeah, and the, we, we kind of have this back and forth between complex and, and simplified. You get, um, I've been using Ava a lot for my, my tests right mm-hmm. now in JavaScript, but uh, there's a lot of influence from TAP, which is highly simplified. And yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know how to tell people to do it right because uh, the, the, the next cool thing will be in a month, it'll be better. Yeah, we've adopted no TAP on our side and we love it, although Ava looks amazing. But how transient are all the tools we're using? Yeah, no, we don't. Yeah, so a lot of a lot of stuff when we're building prototypes or building um, side projects or whatever, I just you just have to assume that the there is no there is no transition to a different platform, right? <laughs> like you're just gonna have to rewrite it if you ever really want to to create something new. Because um, yeah, trying to transition stuff, there is no easy transition from one to another with a lot of this tech. Yeah, it's pretty much a matter of just diving in. And with that, let's transition to the end of our first segment. Goth, are you ready for the quick fire question round? <laughs> sure. I don't, I don't know how to prepare for that. So uh, <laughs> yes, absolutely. All right. What is the best advice about programming you've ever received? Uh, learn it. <laughs> My dad was a developer, um, and he tried teaching me in high school. So he's like, Hey, if you learn how to program, you will always have a job. And so far that's been true. <laughs> Which personal habits do you attribute to writing better code? Uh, a lot of, we already talked about, uh, good unit tests, um, a good test suite in general. If, if someone has a good test suite, I trust them a lot, uh, with their code. If you could recommend one book on programming, what would it be and why? Oh, uh, about phase three has nothing to do with writing code. It has to do with user experience design, um, writing code. Uh, there are some universal concepts that are good, but user experience uh, design is, is absolutely universal. There is no tech required to do that. Well, Mm. if you had to recommend one person for a developer to draw inspiration from, who would that be? Uh, I don't have one right now. Uh, Brian LaRue and Christopher Joseph have been amazing mentors to me and transformed the way I thought about open source and things like writing tests. Um, so yeah, I, I don't think they're doing stuff as much publicly uh, facing as, as they used to be, uh, which is a shame because they're amazing people uh, that I, I, I like learning from. Goth, imagine you wake up and you have no recollection of ever writing code. With the tools, books, and courses available today, how would you go about learning to program from scratch? Uh, I've come to learn that the video tutorials are key to my learning process because uh, there are a lot of, of assumptions that people make, and so they gloss over certain things um, when it's text-based stuff. Um, and I, I've, I've really bought into Egghead's um, style of, of writing lessons. Um, they're short three to five minute things. And so I get, I get bored with long, long, uh, videos. 
So yeah, I I would be seeking out for those sorts of materials that are short reference type material, uh, video based that don't hide some of the complications of of getting things going. Yeah. Yes, what I've really liked about the Egghead videos is a lot of the authors will build their frameworks from scratch with you and give you deep insights into what everything, into how everything is being built. And I haven't found that anywhere else. Yeah, uh, Redux is particularly good on there. Um, uh, what is his name? It's Giron. Dan Dan Abramov. <laughs> Dan. He, he is amazing, and he pretty much steps you through um, creating Redux from scratch, uh, which... I seriously, I, had to, I have to stop the videos and, and rewatch them sometimes because uh, he's going through concepts that I were I was not familiar with. Uh, so it was super learning, a great learning experience for me. Um, but I've by the time you're done, you feel like you wrote Redux, not just yeah. you know how to use it, but you know what it's doing and how it works. Mm, yeah, Dan's course on Redux was completely eye opening. It was amazing, actually building Redux from scratch and understanding how it works from right from the internals. Now, Garth, let's wrap up today with your top tip on how to work smart and the best way to connect with you. Yeah, so do you want me to talk about how to work smart? Was that what you were asking? <laughs> oh, yes. I don't know. I'm still figuring that out. Uh, <laughs> just just uh, get smart people, right? Find a mentor, talk to people, um, be involved in some way, shape, or form, even if it's just online and Gitter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Find find a way to connect with smart people because there's no way you know the answers. Uh, and as far as finding me online, Twitter is probably the best. Uh, it's my name, Garth. D is in David. B is in boy or Braithwaite. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and I don't answer emails very quickly. So that's probably the best way to get a hold of me. <laughs> to everyone out there, you've been hanging with Garth Braithwaite and Larry Boiter. Head over to fixate.it where you'll find links and timestamps for everything we've been talking about today. And Garth, thank you for sharing your journey with Fixate on Code today. Keep pushing the limits and keep pushing great code. 